Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. 18, if you are physically able this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands so that even face cloths or work aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick and the diseases left them, the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. Seven sons of Sceva, Jewish chief priests, were doing this. The evil spirits answered them and said, I know Jesus, I recognize Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them all, and prevailed against them, so that they ran out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jew and Greeks. Then fear fell on all of them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for the privilege of hearing your word proclaimed. God, reading the life-giving truth, Father, contained in the blood-bought book we know as the Bible. Father, I pray this morning that your word would speak as it promises to do. It would not return void, but accomplish what it was sent to accomplish. Father, we know that you're on the throne today. We know that your plans, your purposes are being worked out according to your will and desires. Father, I pray today that each of us, Lord, You'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see, Lord, and hearts receptive to the word and truth, and that we would go in obedience, Father, to whatever it is today that you lay on our hearts that needs to be dealt with. God, if it's encouragement today, challenging us, Lord, if it's conviction, Father, it's so hard when we're not in line with what you want. Father, bring all of us to that place today, whether it's in this building or online, all over the globe, that we would be doing exactly what it was that you've created us to do so that we are an asset to the kingdom work, Father, in magnifying your glory everywhere that we go. If there are ones here today that do not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, God, your truth, the Spirit, would speak to hearts through that truth and that, Father, they would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ today. It is much too important, Lord, not to worry about or to take flippantly. And, Father, I pray that we would be serious in all of this, recognizing the magnitude of all this represents. Father, may you be glorified this morning in everything, and we ask this in the precious name above all names, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This story has always blown my mind. Uh, when I read it, I actually chuckle, uh, and it's serious, but I chuckle in the sense that, man, these guys didn't know what they were doing. They, they were playing games with something you don't play games with. But in the serious part of that, church, I also think about that story in relation to people who come and flippantly take part in the body of Christ, not recognizing a Corinthians warning about taking part in the body of Christ in an unworthy manner. Uh, I, I've mentioned this before and I'll say it again. I can't tell you the number of people in this church that have told me that places they've been worshiping in their life, that they had never heard the warning associated when you actually take communion. Never. They said, I've never heard that read before. How scary that someone would not read that because it's a warning associated with not only 
communion, but it's also associated in we are taking part in the body of Christ day. We are the body of Christ. Amen? We are the hands, the feet. We are the ministry of truth to the world. It is something we should take serious. This is not a joke. This is not a rehearsal. This is the performance right now. We are living this life right now in preparation for our eternal presentation when we stand before the holy and righteous God one day, justified by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What an exciting event. But we don't have time to play around. This is not something that we get to go and do do-overs with. We watch people every week, day in and day out, leave this earth, whether prepared or unprepared. I pray every person that hears the gospel truth would be prepared, and I pray God would break their hearts, would the Holy Spirit would draw every person, and every person on the planet would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome? We know that's not a realistic thought, but that's our hope. Even people who right now you go, you know what, they're going to get what they get because they're so, they're, you know, they don't want anything to do with Christianity and they, they mock me or they this, they that. Pray that they would come to faith in Christ and genuinely pray it. Instead of, it's real easy to be a Jonah. God, get them. But imagine the time in our life when we deserve someone to pray that for us. Anybody else remember that time in their life? when you were as maybe resistant to the gospel or flippant with it, that anybody should have been praying, God, just get them. By God's grace, the Lord would bring those ones, even the most hardened of hearts, to saving faith in Jesus Christ. But verse 11 and 12 again, God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands so that even face cloths, work aprons that had touched the skin were brought to the sick, diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Leads the first thing that I want to share with you this morning, and it is this. God will do anything in line with his purpose, his plan, and will. This is this brand new time in church. This is really the cradle of Christianity. We've been talking about this. Acts really is really the birth of the church as we know it. And this apostolic manifestation of God's power, the Holy Spirit. Remember, at this point in history... All right, everybody here, we all have Bibles, right? How many of you got ones at home, the family Bible on the table? And we got Bibles. We literally have Bibles everywhere at home. Anybody? Okay. That's been historically American, right? I don't care. In unchristian homes throughout the history of America, you could go in there and find their family Bible. And if nothing else, they used to record. And that was actually something admissible in court, if you don't know that, at a time in this nation. And if a pastor testified in court... That was like God testifying. Do that now. Amen? And by the way, we've earned everything that we've gotten. I'm just going to be honest with you. The, the ire that the church universally has gotten, they've earned every bit of it. That's why I, I don't like denominational names. I, I, I don't like that stuff because uh, denomination means division. I don't like division. In Christ, e pluribus unum, to take from the money. Out of many, one. We should be unified in Christ, not divided. And, and it's so sad because I'll say to people, well, I'd never hang out with an apostolic or I'd never hang out with one of the... Listen, I'll hang out with anybody. You know why? Because I want to find out what we agree on and let's... Feel, hey, you know what might happen? We might get an ability to minister to them and help bring them to truth. Maybe they're not a follower of Christ. They don't know. But let's spend our time finding out what we agree on not focusing on what we disagree on because that's the problem. So many people sit back and focus on what they disagree with and, oh, well, 
That person uses this. Uh, they, they use anything other than the King James, so I wouldn't go, oh, no. Oh, come on. God's, God's really good. And by the way, Moses didn't come off Mount Sinai with the 1611 King James. I'm sorry if you think that. He didn't. And by the way, the other versions that come off of the newer manuscripts that were found in, if I remember correctly, it was 48 or I think it was 1948, the Dead Sea Scrolls are the oldest manuscripts known. But what I'm saying is we can get caught on these, these things we get dogmatic about. You know what dogmatic means? You go, if we're not using it, I'm telling you everything else is a farce. I heard it actually have, have heard this said out of a mouth of a pastor. Anything other than the King James is the devil's book. Word for word. Well, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something. I think one of the most solid translations is in one of the, even the ESV, the New American Standard, the Holman Christian Standard. They have been taken off of the Dead Sea Scrolls. These are very, honestly, arrogant statements. And I am not immune to saying one, so I'll, that's why I try to be very, very careful because all of us can be taken captive. So I'm not saying, look what they do. And no, I know for a fact it's by God's grace. But God's doing amazing things at this time because these people don't have what? A Bible in their hands like us. You go, man, I don't know why, God, I've been telling you, set the bush on fire out front so I know you're real, Lord, then, then I'm going to be all in. You've got God's word. They didn't have that back then. God was showing his power and presence back then because they didn't have the blood-bought book, the Bible. It was very few and far between. There weren't printing presses and there wasn't a store you'd go and buy a Christian bookstore. It's just very, very expensive back then to have Bibles. Think about the paper back then and all the things that we have nice climate-controlled houses and things last. It wasn't like that back then. Very different time in history. But God was manifesting himself. The Spirit of God was manifesting himself. What? To do exactly what God's Word does to us now. Reaffirm who he is. Show who he is. Show his power to us. This is what was happening then. The birthplace, the infancy of what we know as the church. Very exciting times though. Powerful. Imagine seeing this. But even in our lives today though, don't minimize or in any way take away from the beauty of what God does in our lives today and think that it's any less powerful than this display of God's power right here. It's just as powerful. Now, we do that though. You know, God, if I was in the desert like the Israelites and I saw that pillar of cloud by fire, I'd just be so in there, Lord. It'd remind me every day that you're there. Mm. Wouldn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? And you think that'd be a better living? Look what was happening to them back then. They get delivered walking on dry ground through the Red Sea and they're grumbling within a couple days. Oh, you'd be different, wouldn't you? We always think that, don't we? Oh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't have been so foolish. You know why you say that? Because you have God's Word to give you insight into the foolish steps that were taken by so many really good people over the, the course of history. So very important as we think about it, God's going to do anything in line with his, his purpose, his plan, his will. He's manifesting in this apostolic period in time as God's word is beginning to grow, as it's beginning to be spread. Powerful thing here, this, this faith in action is what I call it, really the, the portal into God's hand at work is so beautiful to see during this time. I'm so thankful now. If you just said, hey, you could go back to this time when these things were happening, 
where you could be right now when you have God's Word. Man, I want God's Word. I want God's Word. Because the Holy Spirit's power within me, the affirming truth of reading God's Word gives me all, I don't have any question as to the validity of Scripture, the validity of truth, the presence, the power of God, and whether, G, literally, from cover to cover, I don't have an issue with it. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I just, I don't know. Don't give me that. Well, you know, mankind could have done, let me just tell you something. If mankind could do something that taints God's word and God couldn't have prevented that from happening, we're all in big trouble. You know what I know God can do? God can, without even thinking, pass down an untainted copy of God's word to us as he has because he's God. And it blows my mind, the whole entire concept scripturally, when you recognize that the writing of God's word occurred on all of those, plant, all those continents by people who did not even know each other with a storyline that starts from beginning to end and flawlessly goes through. And you're going to tell me that all of those people on all of those different continents over all those, what, uh, 2,000 plus years could have written that in a storyline, been a singular storyline with no internet, not knowing each other, no phone calls, no texting, no proofing, no nothing. That's pretty astounding if you ask me. You know what that tells? It tells the power of God and that God's word, the inspired God-breathed book, the Bible, we can trust from cover to cover. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. But then verses 13 and 14, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches... Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. Second thing I want to share with you this morning. God's power is not a toy, and invoking it is no joke. Okay, let me give you kind of a, the best I can understanding of what's happening here. So let's just say you're somewhere, and um, I'm praying. I'm praying for somebody who's going through a difficult time. God gives them wisdom and insight into the matter. And you see God directly answer prayer. Let's say you got seven of your good friends, and you come and you witness this a few times. You're like, man, he starts praying the name of Jesus, man, and things happen. Wow. So you go somewhere, and you roll in on with your, good, your seven friends, and y'all see some people that need prayer too. And you walk up to those people needing prayer, and you and your seven friends begin to pray, and you start praying, hey, we're talking about the Jesus that Brother Jonathan's talking about. We command this issue to be resolved. First of all, where's the prayer going? Nowhere. You have no authority with which to pray that prayer. If you're not a follower, Jesus doesn't even hear your prayer. The first prayer God hears from someone is a prayer of repentance. When you come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, those prayers go nowhere, so what's going to happen? Nothing. The only problem was there was a little dynamic here that was at play, and it was the demonic realm. And I hope you're well aware this morning it is as real as real. You don't play around with that realm. If you're not a follower of Christ Jesus, you're not in God's word and faith, you don't, better, you don't want sin, unrepentant sin in your life, you don't mess with that realm. And it is not in our power that we mess with that realm in the first place. Amen? It is able to be dealt with how? The blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You don't go in there and start running around with silver bullets and whatever other things that people start trying to mess around with this, that, and the other with. No, this is nothing that is a Hollywood deal. Supposedly there's a movie out right now from Hollywood that I don't even know, but it's, it's an egregious mess is what I hear. And uh, it's a horror flick basically is what it is, but it's something to do with uh, evidently on a true story about some Catholic priest that was casting out demons. I don't mess around with that stuff. I think it's foolish too. Uh, if you are dealing with deliverance ministry, that's a whole different uh, ball of wax than sensationalistic Hollywood uh, horror dramas or whatever they call them. I know this is serious business. If you want an understanding a little bit about it, you can read Frank Peretti's This uh, Present Darkness. That to me gives you a pretty scary window into the reality of what we deal with. If we could un if God would unveil to us the spiritual warfare that occurs around us on any given day, I believe you would wet yourself. I'll just put it as plainly as that. Uh, the very serious, very serious place and realm, and it does not ever, ever need to be dealt with lightly. It's a serious thing, as angels are very serious individuals, right? They're not these fluffy little things sitting on clouds. What are they? They're warriors. They're warriors. Could you imagine the warfare that goes, our fight is what? Not against flesh and blood, but principalities. What? Dark forces in the heavenly realms. Our fight is not against, this is a spiritual warfare thing. In the morning we pray, what do I pray? God, hedge this grounds with your protective angels. Purge anything or anyone that would not desire to glorify and to honor you. This is serious business, church. The same way that you do not start to mess around with demonic possession when you not only don't understand it, but you better be invoking the proper people to deal with it. And it has to do straight with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the victory found through the Holy Spirit of the living God. We don't run around and start saying some words because, oh, the, the, the Jesus that Brother Tim talks about, the Brother Jesus, Brother Jackie talks about. No, no. You better know that Savior that you're invoking that name because if not, they know who he is, but we don't know who you are. And this is a true story about these seven guys. They go out bleeding and naked. And by the way, how many overpowered them? The one man overpowered all of them and beat them so severely they were naked and bleeding when they left the house. Don't play around with this stuff. That's why I talk about spiritually in, in your own life, in my own life. You better be in God's word. You better not yield yourself. You better not play around with these uh, Ouija boards and all of this uh, mysticism and all of this uh, dark. Don't do it, church. Don't pick up. Don't pick up a horoscope. Don't ever look at. Well, I don't care if it comes across the internet. There is no one that can tell you your future. You are a child of the living God. Don't let some demonic darkness be spoken into your life. You rebuke that stuff in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the one who holds your life. He holds your future. He holds your past. And he holds everything associated with your life. Not some foolishness that some, I don't even know what the word to put on it, demonic possession has allowed someone to put out. Oh, it's just fun. No, don't do it. Stay away from it. Uh, let me just give you this. Run from it. Because if you mess around with it, you want to dance with the devil? Anybody know what it says in Job? It says, if you touch him, you will never forget. Leviathan, the enemy. Don't you mess around with him. 
We have dominion in Christ. I'm not saying this for you to be scared. I'm saying this that you don't play around with those type things. You don't play around. It's not harmless fun. It is windows into darkness. And these are these generational things that I talk about when we invite, what? Generational soul ties, these demonic things that we end up allowing to have some dominion in our life. We have to be very, very, very careful that we do not invite those knowing or unknowing. That's why this, the deliverance worksheets that I give out goes through and actually allows you to break things that you didn't have a clue that you invited in your home, your mind, your family, that you did completely harmlessly. These things can have serious implications on not only you, but the subsequent generations in your family. So stay aware of those things, stay very alert, and keep, in, keep this in mind. God's power is not a toy. Invoking it's no joke. We take part in the body of Christ, not in an unworthy, in a worthy manner, recognizing, hey, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ gave us the authority to partake under the new covenant. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I take this serious. This is not something where I come to church going, what can I get, what can I get, what can I get? No, we come and do what the scripture says. What do we do? Hey, all for your life is a living sacrifice. When? Daily. Daily. Every day, Lord, how can I serve you? How can I glorify? How can I live for you? Father, that is my created purpose. To you be all glory. Really awesome, powerful stuff. And then listen to verses 5 through 7. The evil spirit answered them, I know Jesus. I recognize Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them all prevailed against them so that they ran out of that house naked and wounded. It became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. Then fear fell on all of them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Leads a third and final thing I want to share with you this morning. It is this. Do not mess with something you have no business messing with, or you may learn a painful lesson. Hence my statement. Grow in Christ understand about darkness, the principalities, the rulers, the dark forces in heavenly realms. Realize these things that Scripture gives us great insight into. Hey, you want to do serious prayer ministry? Be prepared. I'm not saying that you should be scared of it and, oh, I better not mess. No. It, doing things in the proper manner. Are you going to go into a... Um, a um, uh, uh, power state, nuclear power station because you watched a couple YouTube videos and said, hey, I'll run the control center today. I've got a pretty good understanding of it because I've watched some YouTube videos. Oh, great. Uh, we'll see you at 12 hours. Would anybody do that? Would anybody go up to Barrett's in Murfreesboro that makes those 50 caliber rifles and go, hey, uh, would you let me do the milling today? I've watched a few of y'all's YouTube videos and I think I've pretty much got it down. Oh, good. We'll see you uh, at 5 o'clock tonight. Would you stick a 16-year-old kid in your luxury automobile and say, hey, go ahead. you told me you know how to drive. Uh, go for it, man. It's no big deal. I got insurance. It wouldn't be wise, would it? Something as powerful as this, likewise, preparation is imperative. Preparation. What does the Scripture even talk about with salvation? We should count the what? Count the cost. 
thinking, wise, wise thinking, wise acting. Does that mean we sit around and wait to make decisions because, well, I'm going to wait until I understand. No, you pray about it. You seek God's face. You read God's word. You see what God has to say about it. And then what do you do? When God opens that door, you walk through it. But what have you done? You've been prepared. The same way with this. It's very serious, and therefore, great preparation should go into growing. You should not be someone on milk deciding to go into deliverance ministry unless God has divinely led you. And I would, would in, encourage you to make sure that God has completely opened that door and that you recognize and you have a solid group of believers that you sought counsel in, that have been praying with you, that have been praying over you because at the same time, you must also remember when you go into that type ministry, what does it do? It puts an amazing bull's eye on you for spiritual warfare in your own life. Anybody know about teachers scripturally when it talks about how many people should ascribe to be teachers? You better be very careful because why? They are going to be judged more, what does the scripture say? More harshly. Very serious stuff, isn't it? Very serious stuff. A great accountability. Scripture says with one who's been entrusted with much will much be accounted, meaning you will be held accountable for more. Super important stuff. Powerful story, though, because Paul, listen, think about what's happening right here with Paul, the testimony of the Holy Spirit, the power that's occurring during this period is drawing the attention. Have these sons of Sceva, did they have a right to partake under the new covenant? No, these were law followers. These were Old Testament believers who are seeing this and going, oh, some of this Paul, man, this is Jesus Paul's talking about. Hey, this has got to be pretty good. Imagine what we can do. Look what they get. They were invoking the name unworthily in an area they had no ability or ministry authority in. And I'll just tell you what they got. They got schooled quick. Very careful when you're in God's word, you know what's so awesome? You're not going to make foolish, rash decisions like that. When you are in God's word, when you are seeking God's face, and you're waiting for God to open those doors, what does he do? He does them beautifully. That's why the same thing I talked to you about sharing Christ with people. Why is it so important to do what Jesus, with just with the disciples, come follow me? Jesus didn't say, listen, man, just give me two more minutes. I'll defend this. I'll tell you why it's the best thing in the world to do. And, and please follow me. No, he didn't. He said, come follow me. And he kept going. What they do? They followed him. We're not in the business of trying to convince people. We're not the people that can change hearts. We can present the gospel. We can present the truth. But ultimately, the person has to desire it. Because who in the world believes for a moment that we can convince someone or make someone do what we want them to do? Parents, you know what that's like with your kids, right? Especially when they get older. What happens the harder you push most often? Great resistance, don't we? You ever watch those two uh, rams up on the mountain, you know, the commercials, the inevitable, right? Just nailing each other in the heads. You ever seen that's what kind of happens the more you do that? You end up just battling. And actually, I think what happens is it ultimately closes the door, if not permanently, sometimes for a long time. Because we try to do God's, we went, I'm going to help God do his job. God, I know you're busy out there. You got a lot going on, but Lord, I'll, I'll help you. Moms, you know how hard it is. 
I see this more with the moms. Moms have such a great desire to want their kids to come to Christ, but sometimes the passion overrides the good sense of recognizing, hey, mom, stop. Stop talking. Stop. It's time to use your most powerful weapon. Get on your knees. Get in God's presence. Let the Spirit of God do, just like it was doing with Paul's ministry in Scripture. Just like God's done all throughout history and time. God's really, really, really good at doing what he does if we let him. But I think so often we are just so steadfast trying to honor the Lord and trying to do God's work for him that God in essence says, all right, how long are you going to try? How long are you going to keep doing this? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to invite me? Who's got power here? I can hear God in essence saying that. What are you trying to do? Yet with your it's great intentions we have, right? We're trying to do what the sons of Sceva are doing. You know? Hey, I got it, God. I got this under control. I command you to leave in the name of, right? Because we've bypassed what God's called us to do. So we're in essence just like the sons of Sceva. We're just like Simon the sorcerer, in a sense. We're trying to be the power of God. We can't do that because not only is it an affront to him, what we're not allowing him to do is what he does best, which is to do the impossible, and it brings glory and honor to his name. Because if we're the ones that do that, and if you and I continue to talk until they finally cry uncle, right? We twist their arms and, oh, I'm going to get saved now. Hey, yeah, I just kept on. And they finally... They finally listened. Where's the, where's, huh, where'd the praise go? Well, look what I did. Look what I said. Not a, you know what? We had given up. There's nothing we could do. That's why I think it's so powerful, these prodigal kids, when we let go. Because what happens? Just like here. We're saying, God, we don't have the ability. And as people pray, and at the end here on Sunday mornings are saying, God, I can't change them, but you can. And on Sundays when we see this, what it is is a demonstration of us recognizing we don't have the power, but he does, and we give him glory, and we're getting together, and we're boldly coming corporately together in, in the presence of God for this child who is unyielding to the, to the Lord's desire, purpose, and plan for his life. But God, we know you can change those hearts. What we're doing is allowing God the ability to be God. God is a God that is so powerful. God is a God that can do, truly do anything. We are limited by us. Our minds are what limit us. Because it's as if we feel sometimes when we go to the Lord, I don't know if God's going to listen. That's a lack of faith. You believe that God wouldn't listen when you cry out for someone who's lost, that that does not peak, if anything, the ear of God. That's one of his greatest passions, is to see ones come to faith. So when we're going before them, or going before him with them on their behalf, we're bending the ear of God with the most important thing to him. That's deep, isn't it? But can we actually believe that and own that in our minds and recognize that? To me, it's an exciting thing when I've done all I can do and have to step back. And I mean that when I say that, because I know then that there's power showing up that is unparalleled. 
that is unmatched. This is the power of God. Are you going to allow it to be unleashed? Or are you going to continue trying to sons of Sceva? All throughout Scripture, when somebody tried to do God's work, God's will, but it wasn't God's purpose or plan, are we going to be the Gibeonites? And it looks like a duck, smells like a duck, quacks like a duck. It's got to be a duck. No, it's not. They tasted the provisions but did not seek the Lord, it says word for word. And they ended up making this covenant with the Gibeonites that cost them dearly. God could not give them that, ask, that part of the land because they'd made a covenant. God wanted to give them that too. But see, the Israelites got prideful and we can fall into those same patterns. And remember though, we have less of an excuse because we're New Testament followers of Jesus Christ indwelled. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we can't say, I just didn't know any different. No, we did. We have the Spirit of God that will lead us, that guides us, that directs us, but are we going to allow that to be the catalyst with which every decision is made? In Experiencing God, this morning we watched one uh, on one of the chapters, we ran a video, and it was talking about this uh, man and his wife. They were needing to go to the store one day, and they ended up going to this different store. Didn't know why, they just went to this different store. The wife went down one aisle, the husband goes down the other and sees this man, not from America, who just looked, uh, he, he looked heavy-hearted. So he just, you know, hey, you okay? And come to find out, his wife had left him, and he was kind of despondent. He was just standing there at the store, staring at the items, not, not even knowing what to think or do. Long story short, invited him to the ministry of their church. They ended up ministering to him, and they thought, was that God that led him that day? Well, absolutely. Those are those divine appointments I'm talking about. And see, that's why when we allow God to lead us, God does it like that. So we can't say, well, I was going to, to the store that day, the place I always go. And look what God did. You know, look what I was able to go do. No, it's God led me to a whole different store and led me to a man that was in that store at that moment in time, broken, struggling, hurting like never before. And what it does, it brings glory and honor to God's name. The only thing we can do is look what God has done. Look how powerful, look how awesome God is, and God will do the same in your life. Do you believe it, though? If you don't, I'd, I'd encourage you today to get down here, or you want to be praying, come over here this morning during invitation. If you don't believe that, I pray. This morning I'd say to you, get on your face before God and say, God, give me the faith of mustard seed. God, I want to have that level of faith I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. God, I struggle like Thomas. I'm a doubting Thomas, but God, I don't want to live like that. I want to live in the total understanding that you're a God that answers prayer. You move mightily. And Father, I need the faith of a mustard seed because faith is vital, Father. I know that as Hebrews 11 chapter, or verses 11 chapter 1 starts out with. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Do you believe God would mightily intervene in your life today? If you say, well, I hope so, that's not good enough. Do you know so? Because that's faith. I know God's real. I know Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. I know he paid my sin debt. I know he is seated right now at the right hand of God the Father. I might not understand all life and mysteries, but I do know that. I know he was born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And I know he was crucified, buried, and rose from the grave for me. I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's faith, church. Do you know where heaven's at? Do you know? Oh, no, but you know what? You might go, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's a heaven. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt when I breathe my last breath, I will meet that God of all creation face to face. I know that. I don't know where it's going to happen or how it's going to happen, but I know. 
faith. If you go, well, I mean, I hope so. That's not faith. Faith is being sure. And church, I know right now that the moment I breathe my last breath, I will be more alive than I've ever been in my entire life. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But do you know that? And my question to you right now is, do you know what would happen if you stood right now before that God of all creation and he was to say to you right now, why shall I let you into my kingdom? What would your response be? If you'd say, well, I've tried to do good and I've tried to, that's not going to work. I want you to understand the only thing that could be said to you if you said that at that moment is this, depart from me. Because it, beyond a shadow of a doubt, shows that you do not know what Jesus Christ was and is to you. Because scripture clearly says our righteousness is its filthy rags. On our best day, it's filthy rags. I want to tell you why your pastor one day when he stands before the Lord will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It won't be because of anything I've ever done. It won't have anything to do with what anything that I ever did. But it will have everything to do with what Jesus Christ did for me and what he's done for you. He died. He bore our sin. He breathed his last breath. He went back, took the title deed to earth back, triumphantly rose on the third day. He paid a debt we could never pay. We owe him our life. And I hope this morning that you know that. And if you don't, I would encourage you not to let the sun go down today before that's dealt with. Again, I, I can't save you. I can only share with you the love that God has for you and his desire to make you whole, his desire to dwell with you. When we're not walking with him, we are separated from him. There is no greater joy than walking with him, meaning to fellowship with him the same way that Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden before they chose the lie that the enemy presented, which was a complete and utter lie. It broke everything beautiful. It did not give them anything good. This morning, though, the question becomes, are you going to answer the call of God on your life, if you truly could say, you say in your mind, I don't know what would happen. Or are you going to listen to that lie that says, hey, ain't nothing wrong, everything's fine. You're just nervous today, he's, he's a little more wound up than usual, whatever it might be. Are you going to answer that lie with a, oh, I'll just, I'll wait and see if I feel the same way next week. Or are you going to answer what the Holy Spirit's doing when you know things aren't right? And you're like, man, everybody will think I'm, you know, I can't, but if I ever did that, then they'd, they'd all go, I can't believe we didn't know, no, who cares what anybody thinks, amen? It's not going to matter what happens when you're one of those people that we've known in the last two months alone, three, four, five, six months, one year, who've died. It won't matter what and who we knew. It won't matter what somebody would have thought. What will matter is what the God of creation thinks, but more importantly, what Jesus Christ means to you. Is he your propitiation, your payment, your atonement? Or will you stand before him, him as your judge, because you rejected it? You didn't want to accept that. You didn't want to place your faith in Jesus Christ. You thought you had an understanding with him. There's no understanding. The scripture says the understanding is this. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the understanding. That is the reality. But today, what is the gift of salvation to you? Is it a joke? Is it something that we carry around as a lucky rabbit's foot, as a talisman like the sons of Sceva wanted to do with the Holy Spirit's power? See what the result of that was. Don't stand in God's presence one day having missed the mark 
because you believed that everything was okay. It doesn't matter if I walk in and I've got mental issues into McDonald's and think I'm a Big Mac or a hamburger. It's not going to change me into it, is it? I might be so delusional that I actually believe that. That is not reality, though, is it? It's the same thing as when you know things aren't right and you stand in God's presence one day believing it's all going to work out okay. It will not. And I share that with passion because it's real. And the thing that I know this morning that's real is the gift of salvation and the blood of Christ Jesus that paid a price we could never pay because his desire today is to take the brokenness, the hurt, the struggle, and make you whole. Forgive you, cleanse you, and save you. How and why? Because he loves you. No other reason. He loves you, and he desires to fellowship with you. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.